good to be with you here this morning. I am grateful for your presence, each and every one of you, and the Spirit of Christ is here. I hope you can sense that. It's, it's more than just a feeling. It's more than just emotions, but God is here with us. The question I have to ask this morning, and I've asked this uh, at other times as we begin a service but I want to ask the question why are you here why are you here this morning in God's house now I want you to really consider your answer Uh, there's some of us I'm sure you're here uh, as the old saying goes you you're here because you've got a drug problem Somebody drug you to church this morning. But then there's others that are here because uh, it's your routine, it's your habit. You come to church because it's Sunday morning, and this is what you've been doing for a number of years, so you keep doing it. You're in the habit of going to church. And then there's some that are are here because they have a desire to to worship there's others because something's going wrong in their life and and maybe you're looking for some help some divine assistance and then there's others that are maybe here because it's been a while since you've been in the house of God maybe it's been years Maybe there's something in your past. You had a a time when you encountered God and you have good and pleasant memories of that time. And maybe you're here seeking a fresh encounter from the Lord. That's what we're going to talk about this morning from... Job chapter 42, just going to be looking at the first six verses, but we're going to be talking about a fresh encounter, and I want you to really think about the reasons why you're here, because most of the people you will encounter tomorrow, most think about who you're going to run into tomorrow, and now think where they are right now. Chances are they are not in the house of God somewhere. We are in the minority. Other people think it's a foolish waste of time to come here. Some of you may be thinking this is a waste of your time to be here. And if that's the case, I pray that God will change your outlook on life and you will understand that this is a serious, a profound investment because it's vitally important that we not only come. It's not about coming to come to say we had so many. But why are you here? I hope it's that you have a desire that you might encounter the living God in a new and a fresh and a powerful way this morning. Because 
The reality is, if you're here every Sunday, if you're here every Sunday night, if you're every Wednesday, and many of you are, but it's easy for us even to have our routine become our worship. We substitute work for business, for activity in the house of God, for worship. And in that regularity, we can miss experiencing God for who he truly is. Don't let the work become your worship. Let's have a fresh touch, a fresh encounter from the Lord God this morning. If you're able and willing to stand to your feet, I encourage you to do so as we look at our passage together. As I said, we're going to be looking at just the first six verses from chapter 42, last chapter in the book of Job. And you know, if you've been with us, we're finishing this series up in the book of Job. This and one more message. But what the word says in verse 1 then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Hear, and I will speak. I will question you, and you make it known to me. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Father, we thank you for this reading of your word. We ask now that your Holy Spirit will illuminate this truth, will, will show us, Reveal to us the meaning here that we might truly encounter you this morning as we worship. We ask and pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. <coughs> so we're going to have a look at a fresh encounter. What does that mean and what does that lead to? When we have a fresh encounter with the Lord God, it's been a going to begin like it does with Job when we recognize who God is. And when we do that, that's going to lead us personally to accept our limitations. And as a result of that, and this, this third point is going to be the hardest for us, that's when we have the re result of repentance. Well, let's begin with the first part. Job recognizes God's power and majesty in a new and fresh way. Last week we talked about the nature of God as he revealed himself to Job there out of the whirlwind. Now if you've been with us and been reading the book of Job, you know that Job knows God. He was a righteous man. When all these evils befell him, it wasn't because of personal sin in his life. Job knew the Lord. This is a believer. And yet Job is having a fresh encounter with his, his Lord God. He says, I know 
I know. Job wasn't confused anymore. Job wasn't, eh, I don't know. He knows. He's experienced God in a new and a powerful way. And he knows that God is way more powerful and majestic and holy than he had ever imagined. In that series of questions, and we talked about those last week, about all the things that God had said and asked questions, Job's answer was no. He didn't even get a chance to answer. But when God asked Job, have you done this? Can you do it? The answer was no, no, I can't. I'm not you, God. You, you do these things because of who you are. And I am a mere mortal. I'm human. And he, this is the difference Job knew God, but then he experienced. This is the difference between if you've got a 17-year-old in your home <coughs> and they have studied and studied, and this is the one thing, parents, you know this, 16 years old, 15 even, but 15, 16, 17, they may not take much seriously, but when it comes time to open that book, that precious book called the driver's manual they will read it they will study it they want to get that license they may not read anything else but they'll read that and they can score a perfect score on that driver's test <clears throat> can they drive No, no, they can't. No. And a thousand times no. That's the difference between theoretical understanding and experience. It makes a world of difference. Job knew God. But then he experienced him. There's a lot of us that know God. But do we really experience him in a way that's life-changing? Think about that word, the words of that song that, that Junior just led us in. That's written from the perspective of somebody that truly has experienced God. And has come to know that he is faithful over time. Hey, if I hadn't had problems, how would I know, God, that you are able to solve my problems? You don't have any problems. Though. What do you need God for? Well, the reality is we all have problems because we're all sinners. And we need God. But we know things about him, but do we, we say, yeah, God's sovereign. Do we really believe that? We, we might even know Romans 8, 28. We might even have that memorized. Nothing wrong. That's a good verse to have memorized. That's the one that talks about, for I know that all things work together for the good of them who love God and are 
called according to his purposes. If you really look at that verse, it doesn't mean that applies to everybody. That's God talking about his children. But if you're one of his children and you just mouth the words that, yeah, I believe God's in control, when it's your child that's sick, when it's your spouse that has cancer, when it's your loved one that dies in an automobile accident killed by a drunk driver, do you still believe it? When your world falls apart, do you believe that God cares about you and that this is something that he has allowed under his divine plan? Because if you don't believe that, then what you're left with, this is just random and it has no purpose. And that answer does not suffice. Because there is purpose in pain even for the believer. But see, Job knew this. And he experienced it. He had more loss than any of us can imagine. And he came through because his knowledge of God was increased through personal experience. When Job had some issues in the book. We, we've talked about them. Those issues are gone now because he has experienced his God. He has recognized that God can do it. And for us on this side of the cross, we see that in Jesus. Jesus, the I am. I am the bread of life. I am the good shepherd. I am the light of the world. I am the truth. I am the way, the life. I am the resurrection. Have you experienced Jesus in that way? You can, if you haven't. And if you have, and it's kind of gotten just old hat to you, you can have a fresh encounter with the Lord Jesus and experience in him in those ways. And you can be like Job and quit in this situation because what happens next is Job recognized his limitations and we can do the same thing. Because what's happened here in verses 3 and 4, first part of 3 and the first part of 4, those are the questions that God asked Job back in chapter 38. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? That was the opening question God asked Job and look at his answer now this is Job talking here therefore I have uttered what I did not understand things too wonderful me for me which I did not know Job's confessing he's acknowledging God I was wrong I thought I had you figured out I thought I had you in my little box I was wrong I didn't understand it First part of verse 4, here and I will speak, I will question you and you make it known to me. That's God's question to Job in chapter 40. And again, the, the second part of verse 3 is his answer. Hey, I said some things. 
I didn't understand what I was saying. And I just really wish I hadn't even said it now, God. But he's acknowledging that he has limits. And when we see God for who he really is, that it, it's going to result that way. Because see, what we, we, we think we know something, we have certain assumptions about things, and we, it, then experience can be a totally different thing. Several years ago, it was 2006 actually, uh, the Southern Baptist Convention met in North Carolina. And, of course, Pastor Steve was here then, and my job was to uh, secure hotel rooms for that in Greensboro, which we had decided to, uh, I don't know, we just, we just weren't on the ball. Uh, when he told me to get these, we'd waited. So anyway, there wasn't a whole lot left, is my point. But I looked it up on the Internet. And it looked good. It really did look good. These rooms looked great. And then we got there. And we think, we think there was a blood stain on uh, some of the furniture in the pastor's room. We weren't sure. But um, I know I made the mistake of walking down the hall barefoot that night. And it just felt nasty. Uh, but they had a, what, what did Sheila have? Um, they had an iron, like, it was one iron in the hotel, and Sheila had it, and I was going to iron a pair of pants. And when I walk in their room, now this is Pastor Steve and Sheila's room. Walk in their room, I was like, man, can we go out in the hall and talk? I don't know what it was, but Steve said later, he said, I can't believe I let my wife stay there. Well, you know, it was bad. It was bad. We were apologizing to people in the hotel that lived in different states. Said North Carolina is not really like this. But see, it looked good. Experience was something else. Job... He, he, he had his picture of God looking good, and then he found out it was different. And he had to make some adjustments. Steve said our adjustment should have been was demanding our money back and going somewhere else. But there's adjustments to, the, to be made. Are, are, are we going to do them? Because see, we, we, we think we have things figure it out but we don't the prophet Isaiah said there in Isaiah 55 he's talking a revelation from God God tells him he said for my thoughts are higher than your thoughts and my ways higher than yours as the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways higher than yours and my thoughts than yours God is above us he does things and we don't know, but we have to adapt to him. We have to accept our limit. The limitation is not with God, it's with us. And see, Job realizes that. And, and sometimes we, as we go through the routines of life and, and our 
church attendance becomes routine and we just show up. Okay, it's, uh, see, we got to get here by this time. So, okay, we need to get the kids up at about a time so we can get in the car. And, and, then, and then when church is over, then we go here to lunch over here. And it becomes a routine. And it's something we just do. Have we missed God? He's here. But is it possible to show up week in, week out and miss God? Yes. Yes, it is possible. That is not his desire. But when we do not see God for who he is, when we just come in and doing our thing, checking a box and leaving, we can just go right on with our lives. And it hadn't made one bit of difference whether we were here or not. Job had been doing that. He'd been living his life. And then God allowed some things to come into his life. And through that experience, Job realizes, wow, I was saying things I didn't really know. Things too wonderful for me. God, you're greater than I ever imagined. And I just, wow, I'm not who I thought I was. And that attitude, that humility will lead to this third step. And as I said, this is the one we'll struggle with the most. This is the hardest one. But a fresh encounter with God's holiness will result in our repentance of sin. Verses 5 and 6, Job says, I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, as a result of seeing you, God, for who you really are, I realize I'm not much. I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Job who knew his God, got a fresh look at the holiness of God. He understood that God didn't answer to him. God's not obligated because he's God. He's the one in the heavens and he does as he pleases. And God made that very clear to Job in the last few chapters. And now Job's saying, whoa, in that holy, powerful God who's not obligated to me or anyone else, I'm realizing I'm just this little, tiny, insignificant person, and it's amazing that God would even have anything to do with me, but he does, he loves me, he cares about me, even after all this I've gone through, and man, my attitude in this was bad, Therefore, I don't feel good about myself, and I'm going to repent in dust and ashes. Now, repentance is not a word we hear a lot in our culture anymore. We don't sin anymore. We make mistakes. We make errors in judgment. Or, 
and this is becoming an incredibly popular one, I'm a victim. It's not my fault. It's because because I had a bad home life. It's because my parents only let me watch two hours of TV and I wanted to watch six. You know, I'm a victim. I couldn't help it. You know, we, we don't own up to what we're doing. And that might, that might be an extreme way to look at it, but we, we struggle with repentance because what repentance is and what we will do in exchange for or in place of repentance is we will say, I'm sorry. Is that repentance? What is repentance? Because that's what Job's doing. I, I repent in dust and ashes. We see all the time, uh, you look at the news, the celebrity stuff, the politics, whatever. Somebody gets caught doing something, saying something, using a word, or having an encounter with a, a, another person. It didn't go the right way. I'm sorry that this happened. I'm sorry that I said this word I'm sorry if I offended you. Or did I... Is that repentance? No. What is repentance? Repentance, biblical repentance, is a change of your mind. Biblical repentance is understanding that whatever direction you're going in is wrong and then a U-turn and going the other way. It's a change of direction brought about by a conscience decision. It's not a feeling. Yes, there's emotions involved with it a lot of times, but it's not a feeling. It's a choice. And it's a change in your direction. I remember my pastor in South Carolina, his dad was an alcoholic, and he said that on Friday they worked in the mines and had a, there in West Virginia and had a, uh, or Eastern Kentucky, had a good paying job, and come payday he'd go get drunk and come home and, you know, beat the, the wife, uh, Richard's mother, and and rant and rave and, and when he sobered up on late Saturday or sometimes Sunday he'd be crying and he'd be talking about how sorry he was and how he didn't mean it and just please forgive him and the very next week he did the same thing that's not repentance that's not repentance Repentance is a change in direction. Job changed as a result of this. Now, <clears throat> what did he repent of? Because remember, it wasn't his fault. He repented of his attitude, his pride. And I would say that's where most of us, even as believers, where we stumble and struggle in our pride. We think what we're doing. See, we're not that drunk. 
We're not that guy going out and getting drunk every Friday night. We're not beating our wives. We're not cussing our kids. We're not doing those things. At least I hope you're not. But we're prideful in our lives. We're prideful in our lives. And we don't realize how cozy we are with the world. We've got one foot in the world, and then we got one foot in the church. And we think God's okay with that. We think we can come here on Sundays and give attention to the Word of God and the Spirit of God, and then we go back out on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and we live like we were never here, and that's where our pride is, because we think it's okay, because we've got jobs, we've got cars, our kids are in, in homes, they've got beds to sleep in, they've got food, we're doing this, we're doing that, uh, and... What is that? What does that mean? Eternally. Where is the significance? If we're just going through the motions here and there's no change out there, what does it matter? What does it matter? That's what God would have us to do. You see, because we, we think our, our attitude is, hey, it's okay. I'm doing all right. We're doing okay. I'm okay. You're okay. We're okay. No, we're not. If there's no change between here and there, we're not doing okay. God calls his people to a life that is more than that. And see, we just make excuses. But see, if we really encounter the holiness of God, and if you want to know what that looks like, read Isaiah 6, verses 1 through 8 or 9. It's a prophet's encounter with God in the temple. And when Isaiah saw the holiness of God, he said, woe is me. For I am unclean. And he repented. And then what was the result of that encounter with the holy God? The prophet went and served. Here am I, send me. If we leave this place and we go about just the way things were before we came, I will submit that you have not encountered God for who he is. Nowhere in scripture do we find a situation where someone encounters God for who he is and they remain the same. It just isn't there. Now we talk a good talk and we're comfortable with words but not so much actions, because here's where the rubber hits the road, if you will, 
We understand enough about God to know that if we get serious with him, our lives are going to change. And for somehow, some mistaken idea, we've got this idea that if we get serious with God, we're going to have to give up something. We're going to have to give up stuff. God's going to take away all of our fun stuff. God's going to make our lives miserable. Yeah, we should be serving him, but wow, that's just going to be... Where did we get that idea? Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. He's talking about the full, abundant life. What we've settled for is so much less than he wants. And when you come to Christ, yes, when you live serious for Christ, yes, there is a cost. Jesus said, take up my cross and die to self but if we have the idea that what God asks us to give up is more valuable more important than what he's going to give us we're wrong what God gives us is worth way more than the world can ever offer so if you're a believer here this morning and you're just going through the motions I encourage you Encounter God for who he is. As our musicians come, I want to remind you that friendship with the world is being, and God says it, not me, James 4, 4, you read it yourself. It says, friendship with the world is being enemies with God. The world does not have anything to offer that will last and that will make an eternal significance. Yes, you give up, but what you gain is so much more. And for someone here this morning, maybe you don't really know Christ in his fullness. Maybe you're just, some of this just not making sense to you. Pastor James, myself, will be here if you feel led to come. If the Holy Spirit's leading you, you come, we'll talk to you. But it's not really about, I mean, this is a decision time. But I don't want you to get the idea that God only works right here in this next few minutes at this altar. God wants out there. He wants you to live for him out there for the next whole entire week and in the weeks to come. Yeah, a decision you make right now can cement that. But the idea is to let God be Lord of your life. Father, I pray that um, your word penetrates hearts through the power of your Holy Spirit. And Father God, that we would respond in a way that is pleasing and honoring to you. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen.